it's really the whole, you know, the products that are available in the real estate industry. You know, if you think about it, it's kind of, it feels like kind of an anachronism that even the way we go through buying a home or, or the way we own a home where we lever ourselves up with a mortgage, we, we essentially make this big investment in this one asset where we don't take similar sized bets, you know, in our personal finances. And so I think there's a lot of investors out there that take the view that the world of real estate can evolve from where we are today. Hi, Housing News listeners. This is Austin Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. You just heard a quote from today's guest, Patrick Burns, the CEO and co-founder of Spruce. In this episode, Sarah Wheeler, a host, and Patrick close out season five by discussing the heightened investor interest in title technology, innovation and fintech adoption spurred by COVID-19, as well as the rise of M&A partnerships. As always, thank you to our sponsor, USMI, and here's the season finale of the Housing News Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, with the latest episode of our Housing News Podcast. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Patrick Burns, who's the CEO and co-founder of Spruce, a prop tech company powering online real estate transactions. Spruce has raised more than $50 million from investors, including Bessemer Venture Partners, Scale Venture Partners, and Third Prime. Prior to founding Spruce in 2016, Patrick was a product manager at Betterment, the largest automated investment service with $20 billion under management. He holds an MA in statistics from Yale and a BA in physics from Oxford. So welcome, Patrick. So excited to have you. Thanks so much, Sarah. Excited to be here. You know, that's such an interesting path. So you, you've got a BA in physics, which definitely, you know, raises some questions and then and then an MA in stats from Yale. So, you know, the first question we always like to ask our guests is how they got into the industry, because it's never the same path for anyone. So I'd love to know how you got into the title and settlement tech business. Yeah, great. And, and I love that you asked that question because I agree that the industry is so full of people from diverse backgrounds. And I also love to hear people's stories. So uh, I appreciate the question and the opportunity to share mine. Um, so I was working in fintech uh, for, you know, going back about 10 years when I first came to the States in New York. And it was really right around the time, uh, 2015, beginning of 2016, where anecdotally at first, we started to see companies start up um, offering a value proposition to consumers in real estate, uh, real estate mortgage related services. I had a friend that was starting a mortgage company and he was kind enough to tell me a little bit about that. And what I started to see over the course of that time period was we were clearly at the beginnings of an evolution and companies responding to consumer demand for something different in, in real estate and mortgage, something better, an improved process, a different process. Um, you know, I got really excited about so many different models that we were seeing starting to crop up. You had, of course, the traditional models, mortgage and real estate brokerage, but digital versions of them or online versions of them, faster, more transparent, you know, really exciting value propositions, as well as a proliferation of new models, you know, equity investment, down payment assistance, rent to own companies, easing the path to home ownership. 
just this this really exciting um, cohort of companies that were starting up again, like I say, in response to consumers demanding better. As we got to know some of these companies, what we heard consistently was that a challenge that they were having was having to bridge what was really an online experience, an online facing sort of value proposition to the consumer with an offline backend to the transaction. You know, and the challenge there is trying to bridge the gap between that online world and the offline infrastructure that we're so used to in, in the world of real estate. This is the local um, settlement services, title companies, and so on. They do a, do a great job in the traditional paradigm, but when you try and shift to an online world, you, you start to see those expectations not match up to, to the reality. We got really excited about this um, for two reasons, really. One, I thought this was going to be a really exciting time for innovation in a really exciting industry. And secondly, because we had the conviction that these trends, these evolutions that we were seeing, were going to be good for customers, good for consumers, help them get a better deal, help them have more options, um, help to hopefully you know, get people the deal that they want in the world of real estate. And so that that, that was really the backdrop. And we, we gained this conviction that we could have a solution that would help these companies. And so that, that's when we started Spruce, really, you know, as you said in the introduction, to create the platform that would enable rather than impede, enable online real estate transactions. And that's very much what we're focused on today. Really interesting. So you were already working in fintech when you kind of saw some of these uh, opportunities. So when did you start working in fintech? Uh, So right around 2013, I joined a company called Betterman um, that was creating really the first democratized access to good financial advice. And you know, I think we've seen themes like this in, in many other industries in and around real estate, financial services, um, insurance, where you have a, a traditional world that is maybe evolved to be how it is in an offline world. And it's really hard to innovate sometimes when, when you have this world of, of, of some complex product combined with a regulated space. Mm. Um, and this was something that I just absolutely fell in love with, this idea of building building solutions that were complex, that had um, you know, a complex history to them, a complex ecosystem to them, some complex regulation that was really, you know, regulation tends to always come in a combination with industries where consumers have traditionally had a bad deal, right? I tend to think regulators don't regulate for the good of their own health. They regulate to, to protect consumers. And to me, these are these areas were just always such rife opportunities for innovation if you are willing to, to take them on, right? If you are willing to, to go the extra mile to do the hard behind-the-scenes work to build the companies that could end up offering consumers a better deal. And so... You know, against that backdrop, I certainly learned a lot of lessons that I still apply today at Spruce um, and, you know, continue to get excited about being part of an ecosystem that is working hard to make things better for consumers. Yeah, you know, uh, 2013 is when I joined HousingWire. So before that, I hadn't covered this space. And of course, that was right in the middle of um, the industry, really trying to adopt the Dodd-Frank standards in different ways. 
um, you know, which really forced them to do some of that digitization and, and, and really ramp up their tech just to be able to comply with some of those. But at the same time, you know, that's when we were looking at fintech companies wondering who was really going to be able to jump in and solve some of these problems because it, it looks easier from the outside, I think, than, than when you get into the weeds. And I think in 2013, we were still seeing people trying to figure that out. I mean, not that it's easy now, but um, I do think that, you know, it looked like low hanging fruit, but there was, I don't know that there's any low hanging fruit when you've got this much regulation, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I I totally agree. I, I was, you know, I'm always saying that even today with the team, we, we always we always see low-hanging fruit everywhere. Um, you know, there's opportunities for solutions everywhere, but it's that it's that execution, it's having that conviction to say, okay, actually to actually pluck this low-hanging fruit, we need to do the work to solve for the regulatory case, to solve for the, the ecosystem case, to solve for the technology, as well as to then, you know, put it into a product that that can enable the the client and so yeah there's there's a lot of complexity and that's why um you know i think in this industry as well as many others ideas are very cheap and it's execution that matters i love that yeah you know well let's talk about some of the innovation so you know the closing process i feel like was unchanged for a long time uh, as far as the execution of it, it's not that there wasn't possibility there. And then we just saw a huge jump in innovation and adoption over the last year, really because of COVID. So now that we're hopefully nearing the end of the pandemic period, what are some of the lessons learned during the last year that can still be applied going forward? And, and what about that is exciting to you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I feel I'd be remiss not to to say, first of all, you know, my deepest sympathies to to those that were affected by the pandemic or, or continue to be affected by the pandemic. Um, from a from a business perspective, it's been a really challenging time. Um, you know what what's been interesting, I think for me is on the one hand, it's been a time when you know companies have been really forced to adapt. And oftentimes, you know, innovation springs from need. Um, but on the other hand, boy, has it been a hard time for companies to implement new solutions or change their process when, you know, really just, just keeping keeping the lights on, keeping business continuity um, was, was often a challenge. So I think that the, the industry broadly has done a phenomenal job of, of keeping up with consumer demand, you know, providing really a critical service to, to consumers and often moving mountains to do so. All of that said, yeah, it's certainly brought into the limelight, you know, the 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 major drawbacks of an analog closing process. And I think you see this in two ways. First of all, you saw it in that very visceral way that I think we can all easily understand of, you know, having to do things face to face, just being, you know, not just outdated, but really problematic at times. And so the 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 sort of broad adoption of Digital, digital signatures, digital processes in place of manual processes or in-person processes was a huge factor. The second area we saw it was, um, you know, maybe the more internal or the more back office effects where timelines 
were drawn out and, you know, consumers were waiting longer and longer, whether it was close a refinance or close on a home purchase and so on. I mean, I think that was another big effect. So in terms of lessons that I think we can take from the pandemic, I really think there are two main themes for me. The first is, you know, companies need to focus on processes that can scale efficiently um, because as you know, we go through these cycles of expansion and contraction. Companies that rely heavily on manual processes that scale only linearly are going to be, you know, always at the mercy of what they can do from a hiring perspective, from a training perspective, and so on. And so processes that can scale, I think, is one one component. And the second component is really focusing, and I think as we saw this especially um, with the the refinance volume that, that was seen in, in 2020 and is still you know, seen in many cases, focusing on compressing timelines. You know, so many companies got themselves into challenging situations where you were you were taking applications and you were locking loan files. And if you're closing the bulk of those 60 days into the future, then you give yourself this huge operational challenge of not knowing what volume you're going to have to staff for in the various functions in your department. And so that leaves you being less agile, less able to adapt to the needs of the business, to the needs of the consumer. And so focusing on keeping timelines compressed Focusing on bringing that time to close down is going to allow you to be in a position to take advantage of this, you know, extremely dynamic environment that we're operating in. That was so key over the last year and is still key as as people have such huge volumes. But I think something you said earlier really struck me too, is that a lot of times the consumer experience on their front end looks looks all automated, but what's actually happening in the background is you have all these people running as fast as they can. And it actually, it sometimes creates more problems to have that because if the back end isn't keeping up, like if it's still manual, you've really created a, a hard road for yourself, right? For your company. So I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, the, there are no shortcuts, right? With a with a solution as complex as is what we offer in this industry, there are no shortcuts. And I think, you know, if consumers wait. You know, if consumers wait 60 days not knowing when they're going to close a transaction because of that dynamic that, that, that you talked about, that's going to be a bad experience irrespective of what the front end looks like. And so I definitely think, you know, companies that get this right are willing to do that hard work behind the scenes and willing to prioritize those, those difficult problems rather than looking for a quick solution. And here's a quick word from our sponsor. Since 1957, the private mortgage insurance industry has enabled affordable, low down payment home ownership for more than 33 million people. MI bridges the down payment gap, so low to moderate income borrowers may access home ownership sooner while protecting taxpayers from mortgage credit risk. Visit www.usmi.org to learn more. You know, um, several of us, actually multiple people at HousingWire, including myself, closed on a home over the last year. And knowing what's out there and what's available and then the uh, experiences that many of us had, it was just so eye-opening because we assume that all these companies are just on the cutting edge using 
Spruce using these different solutions. And so many of us had just a completely manual, huge, you know, paper process, took all the regular time and and we know better, right? But um, your average consumer does not know better. They just know that it's a painful process. Yeah, I, I look, I agree. And, you know, one of the things that I'm incredibly proud of is, you know, the, the Spruce mortgage lender clients on average will close transactions 25% faster um, and 20% cheaper in terms of closing costs. And I think, you know, I, I get really excited about those stats more than any one sort of component of the consumer experience, that kind of thing, and recognition because it is such a complex process and a complex offering that we put together. But the other thing is, to your point, it just gets me excited. You know, we talked about low-hanging fruit earlier. We've not solved all the problems yet. We're not even close to it, right? And it's just the fact that, you know, the fact that those are still the experiences you're having just shows us how early we are in the adoption and the penetration of technology into this industry. And I have so much confidence in in the part that Spruce can play in that, but also in just the, the industry ecosystem. There are so many incredible, you know, digitally focused mortgage companies that are doing really hard work in pursuit of great consumer experiences. And, uh, you know, it's it's just exciting for, for me to know that there's a lot of market share out there for them uh, before, before every Housing Wire uh, staffer has a great digital experience. Yeah, I love that. that. That's the great thing about talking to tech people. You, you know, those challenges are what excites you and invigorate you and get you going. So we're all thankful for that. You know, we have seen a lot of investor interest in title over the last couple of years, um, including in your company, right? Which I, I mentioned in the intro, you've uh, raised more than 50 million from investors. It's pretty amazing. Uh, that's been since 2018. How do you pitch a title solutions company to VCs? How did you find that funding? And what were the particulars that swayed them uh, for title? Well, you know, I think, first of all, it starts with that personal experience that, that you alluded to. Well, I think everyone understands that we can do better from the point of view of, of real estate transactions. And that's not just um, the the sort of those those visceral components of you know a big signing package and, and long timelines and high costs. It's really the whole you know the products that are available in the real estate industry. You know if you think about it, it's kind of it feels like kind of an anachronism that even the way we go through buying a home or or the way we own a home where we we lever ourselves up. With a mortgage, we we essentially make this big investment in this one asset where you know we don't take similar sized bets on on the price of other assets or you know in our personal finances. And so I think there's a lot of investors out there that take the view that the world of real estate can evolve from where we are today. And that the way it will evolve is through technology, through what the internet has brought to other industries, right? And retail with e-commerce and and other and financial services with online banking. And I think it's the, it's the same is true here. And so all you have to believe is that the internet can make real estate better for consumers, better for investors, better for um, you know, the companies participating in the industry. And then what follows as a conclusion from that is 
we need better online infrastructure. And that's really that's really the thesis of Spruce. You know, we provide the products and services that are required to enable online real estate transactions. And uh, and and I think that's an idea that that's really resonated with with a lot of people. You, you know, we've also seen a lot of M and A and partnerships, uh, such as the one Spruce has with Munich RE, to really put together a whole title experience and and sort of expand what we think of with title. You know, do you do you think that's the future of title, and why do you think that's so interesting to people right now? Yeah, I think you know, first first of all, you know, going through a wave of of innovation and innovative companies as we've seen in the real estate industry broadly that's always going to be associated with an uptick in M&A as larger companies look to you know to add to their solution and so I think that's I think that's good I think that's healthy I think that will make um for a for a healthier ecosystem in terms of spruce and and and, and our approach you know we're so excited with our partnership with with Munich um and our approach in general has always been that we have a very high degree of conviction in what we are bringing to the industry, you know, making really big improvements on existing processes, really creating this paradigm shift from offline and local to online um, and national and scalable and efficient and so on. And we also recognize that doing so will require working within an ecosystem and will require partnering with great companies that are out there that can enable us to to be better, be better for our clients, be better for for that ecosystem. And uh, I think that's I think that's something that that is broadly true when you operate in an industry like real estate where there is an ecosystem um, and uh, you know companies that choose to go alone um, from that perspective are going to make a smaller impact than companies that choose to embrace it and embrace partnerships that can be useful. Well, let's talk a little bit about that ecosystem. So in the current landscape, you know, you really have the big four title companies and then you have independents. You know, from your perspective, who's winning market share and, and what's really differentiating the leaders, even within those two things, from maybe people who aren't uh, doing as well? I always think it comes down to the consumer and who's best serving the consumer. Now, the traditional real estate transaction is this, you know, inherently local, inherently people-driven affair. Um, and I think the the real work that gets done in in this industry are those you know phenomenal local companies that that provide great service and so on. And I think you know to the extent that companies can adopt technology and provide a better experience there, I think there's plenty of market share to be won. Um, what I get excited about and what Spruce is solely focused on is online transactions so transactions that don't exist in that local paradigm that consumers aren't looking for that traditional um handheld offline experience and they're coming to online companies for a faster refinance or to sell their home online or to invest in real estate and they're looking for a frictionless seamless experience um and that's what we're focused on. And, uh, you know, I think 
some of the companies in the industry have been around for literally hundreds of years, uh, you know, uh, 150 odd years. Um, we haven't, but I can tell you we're growing very quickly. A diplomatic answer. I, I like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you talk about it being frictionless and seamless, you know, obviously to your earlier point, we're a long way from that. So, and there's a lot of talk about title being disrupted in the future. And and what are some big things that can change beyond just the technology, beyond just automation? You know, we, we think about blockchain could be a part of that, right? Um, how does the traditional title industry, in your opinion, do you think they would change in the next two years, five years, or 10 years? Like, what do you see coming down the, down the pike? I am so excited about the next five years for this industry. Um, you know, I, I've I've been excited and, and we've achieved a lot in the last five years. I'm so excited about the, the coming five years. Look, in a world of frictionless online transactions, the possibilities explode. The possibilities for our relationships with real estate as an asset, as an investment, um, as as the home that, that, that we live in, that we control. I think today those possibilities are constricted by the simple fact of how long it takes and how expensive it is and how frankly stressful and painful it is to go through a transaction. And that's that's what we recognize is, is our job. Our job is to reduce that friction. Our job is to build um, automation and innovative solutions to take that 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 checkout timeline because that's really what it is. Once you've done the deal, you know, everything's decided, everything else is friction. To take that friction down to zero. Um, and we certainly let our imagination run wild. We're working with a lot of really exciting companies that are, you know, taking on some of those options. And I think uh, the new use cases for equi- liquid equity in our home, um, co-ownership models, co-investment models, um, expanding access to real estate investment, expanding access to paths to home ownership or building home equity, um, the, the possibilities are endless and I'm so excited for, for, for sort of some of them gaining a broader market adoption and acceptance in the coming years and the role that the title industry has to play, the role that Spruce is playing is to enable it by reducing friction. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting to to hear you talk about some of those things and, and as I think about blockchain and, and then consider the fact that all this information, some of it's still stored in a manual way in the 3,000 different counties that we have throughout the United States that, you know, uh, I'm sure that that's what gets you excited when you see still the possibilities there. You, you, you weren't going to let me off easy without without returning to blockchain. Uh, I, I, I deliberately steered clear. And, and the reason I did is because I think again the job that we have to do here is not to promote or advocate for any one technology or any one tool the job that we have to do here that we're single-mindedly focused on is enabling online transactions by reducing friction um we will use different tools in order to do that uh, you know and, and broadly speaking that looks like combining the best technology with the best operational expertise 
Um, and that's what we've been doing and that's allowed us to, you know, grow quickly, grow 450% year over year and so on. Um, in our future, we'll continue to do that and, and specific technologies may, may help us along the way, um, but, but that's our goal. I appreciate that. And Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. I think I think what we have to do is just have you back on again as we as we see how some of these things play out and uh, and get your take as as things progress. But really appreciate you uh, spending the time with us today. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Uh, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. To listen, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thank you for listening to the season finale of the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Until our next season launch on May 10th, make sure to check out Housing Wire Daily, a podcast dedicated to the hottest news stories across HW Media. The podcast is published each and every day and is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and join us in May.